Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Hello and welcome to another episode of Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Today we are joined by Blake Long. How's it going, Blake? It's it's going going good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Well, we're excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, this is our first podcast over Zoom, so forgive us for any technical difficulties if we <laughs> might have any. Um, but uh, yeah, Blake, I, I want to interview you today about a book that you wrote in 2020. Is that right? It was published 2020. 2021, actually. 2021. You were writing it in 2020, I maybe. Was. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think you referenced 2020 in the summer of 2020 in, in your book. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the book is titled Gospel Smugness. Really excited to have you on. But before we get started talking about your book, I want you to go ahead and just tell us who you are. And to a lot of our listeners, they, they might not have heard of you. Um, so tell us who you are and talk about how the kind of the story behind this book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, I, I told... Eric, this before got on, I have sign of a, a sinus infection. So if I keep sniffing, <laughs> don't worry about it. But so I'm nobody special. Again, my name is Blake Long. Um, I work for a nonprofit organization um, in Oklahoma. So I'm not officially in ministry yet, but that is certainly the aspiration is hopefully, you know, here in a few years, maybe I'm in pastoral ministry or something similar to that. Um, I am married to my wife, Shell. We've been married since 2017, so we're almost uh, going five years strong, but we've been oh, together wow. for almost 10 years, so it's, we've, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, we have two beautiful little girls, uh, Jovi Grace, who is almost three, and then Piper Joy, who is almost eight months, and then we have a very rowdy, very loving, wired hair terrier dog. <laughs> name is Dundee. And so if any of you guys are office fans like myself, uh, you will understand that that is not a reference to Crocodile Dundee, but that's a <laughs> to Dundee Awards. Okay, there you go. I get frustrated every time somebody says, is it after Crocodile Dundee? No. The, the Dundees, <laughs> the Dundees. I'm very offended you asked the question. <laughs> but so that is my family. Um, she is, she's a special education teacher here in a public school in the area. Um, I've always been very proud of her for that. I always say it takes a special person to do that. Um, always a pun intended, but <laughs> that is me. Um, and, you know, this, this book came about, you know, I, I initially wrote a blog post in 2019 called The Gospel is Offensive, But You Shouldn't Be, or We Shouldn't Be, whichever one it was. Um, and honestly, Eric, I, I threw together the blog post and maybe 30 minutes Oh, wow. Um, I vividly remember whether I should have done it or not is not the question, but I was at work, bored at work, and I got my phone out and I just wrote. Um, and, and, I, and I thought about that, you know, that message, and that's, that's the blog post that came to be. And then the next day or maybe the day after, um, you know, I was checking WordPress because, I, you know, I, I like to keep up a little bit with the statistics on how I'm doing. Um, and the blog post was blowing up and I'm like going, what is going on? Because um, <laughs> there aren't many people that followed my blog at the time. There still aren't that many people that follow the blog, but it was very out of the ordinary. 
And so I went so far as to contact WordPress and basically said, hey, this doesn't make any sense to me. Is there a glitch in the system? What's going on? They basically said, no, uh, you, this is genuine traffic. Congratulations. And I'm like, I still don't believe you. <laughs> so I went back to WordPress and realized that there is a, a, a referrers section. I can't say that word correctly, but it showed that one of the sites that was referring, it was challies.com. So Tim Challies for, for yeah. listeners who know who that is. And so I'm like going, okay, why did that still doesn't, it's, I'm more excited at this point, but I still don't know what's going on. So then I went to the <laughs> site and uh, before that I knew he had the a la carte section, but I didn't really look at it too much. And then I looked at it that day. I'm like going, that's the name of my blog. That's what I wrote. You know, he, he shared my blog post. That's what's getting all this traffic. And I was just, I was on top of the world. <laughs> I'm know? sure. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's the same thing with the book, but I always try to tell myself and, and ground myself in the fact of I would write the blog. I would write books, even if only five people, 10 people mm-hmm. wrote it, you know, or read it. <clears throat> so I, you know, but, but seeing that many views did, did feel good. So <laughs> always. So, and before that, so before that, I always wanted to write a book because, you know, as I became a Christian in 2013, I started to read very much. The more I read, the more I got my own ideas of what I wanted to write and all these things. And then knowing how well that blog post did on Chally's that day, it gave me the idea of, hey, maybe this is going to be the book I should write. Mm-hmm. So I just started to write. Now, of course, the blog post itself was probably 600, 700 words. So I needed to really detail that out and see what avenues could I go down. So I started to write. And honestly, I didn't really do much planning. Like I didn't make an outline so big. I just kind of started to write as I thought of things, which, you know, in hindsight, wasn't the best way to do it because it could get very disorganized, (laughs) but I just kept writing. Um, and so eventually got, got the book finished. Um, of course, you know, first time author, I sent the idea into publishers and, and nothing worked out, which is fine. I figured that was going to happen. Um, so I self published it in 2021, I think May 5th, actually. So we're coming up on the, okay. the year, one year anniversary of it. Um, and so, yeah, publish it, then self publish it through Amazon. Um, and it, you know, it, it's been a journey since then. That's, that's amazing. Gosh, the, 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 the blog post just blew up. That's, that's amazing. How, why then, why the title change? I'm just curious. Why not keep the same title? It was just too long for a so book. The funny thing is, yeah. So that, that actually, that thought never even occurred to me. Um, mm. I did always think the original title would just be too long. Maybe it could be a, a subtitle, but so the original title in my head was the gospel doesn't need your smugness, which I oh. believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that is the chap. I, I believe that's titled to the first chapter. Okay. Could be wrong, but I sent that title to four of my pastors and they were like, I really like it. I just think it's too long, which in okay. hindsight, it's not that long, but, <laughs> um, so then I condensed it to gospel smugness. That makes and sense. So, you know, the whole, and a lot of people ask, you know, why, why gospel smugness? Well, first of all, 
there's some pragmatic stuff to this. Okay. First time self-published author. Nobody really knows me. And that's yeah. okay. But I got to be a little pragmatic. Sometimes it's okay to do that. <laughs> Maybe not in church so much. Um, so I'm thinking I want the word gospel in there somewhere because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what I want this book to be about. Because if we get that wrong, there's no point of the book. And then I wanted to, to, to find a word that encapsulates the message underlying the whole point of the book, talking about, you know, having the gospel, having the knowledge, but really not putting it into practice via evangelism. And, you know, arrogant came to my mind and, you know, other words came. And then I said smug. And honestly, Eric, that goes back. And I didn't even put this in the book for some reason, but there's an episode of the office when <laughs> I can't remember the scene, but Michael Scott is talking to, to Jim and he basically says, there's the smudgeness. And so that's what really came to my mind was smug smugness. Let's mm. do gospel smugness. And so I thought that was the most perfect word to really bring that home communicating this is about the gospel, but it's also about how we are smug, how we are arrogant, or how we can be holier than thou when communicating the gospel, where, whatever avenue that is, social media, in person, mm-hmm. over a cup of coffee, whatever it is. Um, and so I, I really think that was the best way to to really bring the whole message home. And then the subtitle, I you know, I, at first, at first the subtitle was going to be sharing an offensive gospel with an offended world Mm. Um, both of the subtitles i don't think got to the full point of the book but i think they did i think they did the job so that's why gospel smugness was entitled gospel smugness there you go well and could you and you're kind of doing this already but maybe just give us a definition of this term gospel smugness what do you mean for those that haven't read the book yet the the definition i would say uh, of gospel smugness is having the knowledge of what the gospel is without that knowledge penetrating our hearts in all Mm. aspects of our life. Um, So in sentence forms, that's in sentence form. That's what I would say. But of course there's definitely some semantics there that, which I get into the book, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This this book of course is written to believers. It's not written to to non-Christians. So it is definitely for those people who have been redeemed they're saved, but it's they have not fully let the gospel transform their heart in such a way as to uh, make them cause to, causes them to to truly love their neighbor in evangelism. Mm. Well, and you, you know, you say the book wasn't written to non-believers, and I I totally understand and agree with the point. Although I did appreciate at the end, mm-hmm. after the conclusion, you have a chapter that is simply just walking through what the gospel message is, which is. Obviously, as believers, we need to hear that and we need to read that. Uh, but it was good if, if somebody's reading through your book and at the end of the day, they're like, man, maybe I don't know what this gospel <laughs> message is. You've got it right there, which which I thought was fabulous. And I, I don't know if you knew who this is, but Ed, um, I don't know how you say his last name, Romine. He's on he's on Twitter, but okay. he called me up a couple months ago and he said, brother, I love that you had the gospel at the end of your book, but I got one criticism. I go, oh, <laughs> the one thing I get wrong is the one thing I shouldn't get wrong. He said, it was a beautiful presentation, but she said nothing about the resurrection. 
Oh. <laughs> well, you're right. That's true. <laughs> it's a given. Okay. So, but yeah, no, that, I I knew I wanted to write an appendix. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought about really diving deep into like Ray Comfort's style of evangelism or, mm. you know, really practical of how to do it. Then I thought, you know, it's just people can go somewhere else for that. So I thought, you know, just let's just, what is the gospel? So that's mm. what I decided to do. Well, I'm curious about, obviously you wrote the blog post first and then the book. And why, why write on this topic? If that makes sense. Like, what are you, what were you seeing yeah to say this needs a blog post and then, okay, the blog post did well. What are you seeing to say, okay, this needs a book? So, you know, it's one of those, the first things first is I am not an expert on this and I've been guilty of all of these things. Mm. So whoever does read this book, don't, don't look at it as if I'm pointing a finger, but I'm saying, let's, let's all evaluate ourselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, author included here. So there's really two avenues. Number one um, is social media. Mm. And I don't even want to say it's primarily that because the book isn't just about social media because there's only a chapter written on it. But our behavior on social social media and then also in person as well. But because there is absolutely, I don't really think I, I do think I specifically say this in the book that the, the specific demographic I have in mind are those Christians who hold to reform theology, mm. um, which myself included, you know, I go to a church we're, we're Southern Baptist, but we're, we're distinctly Calvinistic and we are unashamedly. So, but we Calvinists have such an issue <laughs> having all this head knowledge and it not being right here. Mm. So my thought process was I want to address our behavior on social media and why we think it's necessary to, slander and name call and all of these things, not just unbelievers, but I mean, my gosh, we're seeing it to this day of it's just Twitter is a cesspool of, of slander from Christians. Yeah. So disheartening. And then, yeah, in person, you know, definitely those who hold to the doctrines of grace were not very gracious people even though we, we believe in the doctrines of grace. And so those, that's really who is written to specifically um, were those who, who have all this knowledge. We can talk about penal substitutionary atonement. We can ex explain as much as we can the intricacies of the Trinity. And we can have all these de detailed conversations about, you know, uh, complementarianism and all sorts of theology. Yeah. It comes down to evangelizing the lost. We get caught up on the dumbest things. <laughs> and it, it could be as simple as uh, not letting the other person speak, or mm. it can be as simple as, you know, not wanting to, you know, we talk about not wanting to do friendship evangelism, which I mm -hmm. totally understand. That's not, you know, we, we don't want to do that, but that doesn't mean, you don't get to know the person you're talking to in a conversation. Mm -hmm. So like even stuff like that can come across smug and like, you know, I'm, I'm not really caring for you as a person. It's more like a number. So, yeah. 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 Well, one of, one of the things I loved about the book, um, I, uh, so 
just just for context, just so you know, I you sent me the book a while back, I think December or January. I, I read through parts of it and skimmed parts of it then, and then yesterday morning I did a full reread of the book. Um, so I, it's all fresh in my head. I, I really, I, I like, I really, really enjoyed the book. It was, it was a, a good book to read all in one sitting. Um, and, and one of the things I really appreciated about it is, uh, I, I would think that in a book like this, my fear would be somebody would cheapen doctrine, cheapen truth, just say like, okay, yeah, the Bible teaches all these things, but we don't need to push those. You know, that's, they're too mean, they're too offensive. And that's not your point. Your, your point is, right, is that like these things are offensive and we have to hold to them. Why are you being offensive in other areas? Like just let the truth of scripture, let the exclusivity of the gospel be offensive. Why are you, yeah, why are you adding to it or why are you being extra offensive in, in how you communicate? Um, and and so it's 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 easy to say as Christians that we know the truth and and that I, since I know the truth now I'm going to be offensive and and you talked about early on in the book about humility. Mm-hmm. Um, you you were talking about how it, it's important for as Christians are communicating to communicate in humility and we know that right and Scripture talks all about being humble but when you think about well truth is offensive. People often use that, as far as I can tell, as as this excuse to kind of toss humility aside. So tell me some of your thoughts about that, that balance. And maybe balance is a wrong word, but how how to handle both this idea that the truths in Scripture are offensive, but as, as believers, we're called to be humble. Two, so two things come to mind. So the first one, and I think... You know, I honestly, I used this quote in the blog post. I don't even think I used it in the book, but I, I think John MacArthur said it. He basically said, you know, the gospel is always going to be offensive. Just let them be offended. Okay. Mm. Absolutely true. We need to stop worrying about unbelievers being offended by the gospel. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We need to worry about us adding to the offensiveness. And so, yeah, and how humility comes into that, you know, you have two parts to this. Number one, I think you need to make a beeline to Philippians 2. Okay. The humility of Jesus and, and looking at what that is saying and how that, um, what that implies for us. Yeah. And how we are to be humble. And, you know, every situation is different in evangelism. So, um, we're, we're smart people. So I know we can apply that correctly when, when the time comes and what the, what it really means to be humble in different circumstances. But at the end of the day, the humility part, um, fixes itself or, or answers itself in this process. When we remember who we once were, mm-hmm. we were once the person who was lost. We were once the person who was alienated from God, who hated God, who wanted nothing to do with God. We were once the person who got um, awkward or annoyed when somebody uh, came to their doorstep. Okay, so we were once those people. And then at the same time, we also need to remember salvation is a gift. Amen. When we continually remind ourselves that I'm not a Christian because... um, I mustered up the strength to believe in Christ, but I'm a Christian because God saved me on the cross. 
I had nothing to do with my salvation. So why am I acting like a jerk? Why am I not being humble in my evangelism? Mm -hmm. Because first of all, it just does nothing good. But secondly, it does a huge disservice to, to Christ and the gospel. People look at your behavior and they're like, going, this is, you know, this is why I left the church or this is why yeah. I don't believe in organized religion because people are hypocrites. Okay. So we need to be honest with ourselves and truly be humble because it's, it's one of those things where I don't know who said it. It's just a popular saying, but you're either, um, I'm going to butcher it. So who knows? <laughs> it, it's the one where you either are humbled or you get humbled, whatever it is, but yeah. Um, humility, yes, is, is very important in evangelism. And, and one of the ways we uh, re- remember that humility is by remembering the gospel. So after you, after asking you to talk all about humility, now I want to ask you to tell a story all about yourself. Wow. <laughs> um, there, there's, a, there's a story that you mentioned in the book um, where Mormons come to your door mm-hmm. and you have a conversation with them. And, and when I was reading you know, it's, it's about halfway through the book, I think. I'm not sure about that. Maybe a little less than halfway. As I'm reading it, I'm thinking, man, this story kind of encapsulates the, the whole point of this book. And so could you just tell that that story? I'd, I'd love to hear it again in, in, your own wor- in, in your words again this time. So, yeah, that was a very interesting day. So, you know, I was um, with my with Shell, my wife at the time, my then girlfriend, because I was in 2016 and we were at her apartment um, on a Sunday afternoon and we got a knock on the door, which was very unusual. Okay. So I opened it up and saw these two young women standing there. I'm like, going, this is odd. And then almost immediately I recognized the, the, the name tags, the LDS name mm-hmm. tags. So I'm going, oh, okay, we got Mormons here. But then it, you know, it came to my came to my mind that of course we had literally just gotten back from a mission trip to Provo, Utah, which is Mormon country. Okay, <laughs> um, I just learned so much Mormon doctrine, you know, three tiers of heaven, all of this stuff. It is so fresh in my mind, um, and so I'm not going, you know, providentially. God just, you know, <laughs> he put the evangelistic encounter on our doorstep, literally. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, okay, we got to make a conversation out of this. So we let them in, sat down on our couch, and I let them give their whole spiel. And then after they were done, I, I, I was telling myself, this is my time. You have to be honest. You, you can't, can't sugarcoat anything uh, because, you know, Mormons have a tendency to, to back away from stuff when you're not mm. direct with them. And so, you know, we talked about, uh, Jesus. We talked about how we both say Jesus, but we mean totally different things. Brought up, mm. you know, we believe he's God in the flesh. You believe he is Satan's brother. How do those two coincide? And then we talked about how we both say Heavenly Father, but we mean two different things. And then we went in a vicious, vicious circle over what grace means. Um, and at some point, it's just like there's just no point anymore because mm. uh, they're just they're just not going to get it. Um, and so we talked about that and, you know, in the book, you know, in the book, I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole, so I didn't talk in detail about it, but in the book, I I say, you know, I had to say a few hard things that I knew were going to be offensive. So in the conversation, I knew I had to say, Joseph Smith is a false prophet. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, these, these things are, are, this is a false religion. Um, 
you know, I, I explicitly explain to them that if you do not believe in Jesus, you will go to hell, um, a literal hell. And, you know, this is, these are two different religions here that were not the same. Mm-hmm. I had to make those things very clear. And, you know, I always tell people, my wife can attest to this. She was standing in the kitchen the whole time. <laughs> um, that I was very gracious. I, <laughs> and I, I tried to be soft spoken too, because, you know, I, no disrespect to Mormons, but they're very skittish. Mm. Um, and so, but even in the most soft spoken voice and the most gentle I could be, uh, one of them started to cry. Mm. I'm sitting there going, well, I, you know, I, I even apologized to the person. I'm like, I don't, sorry, I don't want you to cry, but I can't let you go without, without saying these things to you. Yeah. I know apart from a miracle of God, I will never see you again, mm-hmm. even though you're 50 feet away. Cause there was a Mormon church next to the apartment complex. Okay. Okay. So I know you, I, you know, apart from God working a miracle in your heart, I'm never going to see you again. You're like, okay, that didn't go exactly as planned. Um, we actually met a Christian who knew about stuff, but so, you know, that they went away and that was that, but I bring up the story in the book to talk about the simple fact of you can, you can do everything right in regards to being soft-spoken and understanding your audience, understanding the context, doing everything perfectly. But when you still say you need to repent of your sins and believe in the gospel, and when you say stuff about Joseph Smith, (laughs) they're going to get offended because the gospel is offensive. Yeah. So that's the hurdle we have to get over because a lot of Christians do have that hurdle. And so, I mean, I, I think we all do at times. We all, because we all don't want to offend. Mm. We don't want to create those awkward, intense situations, but the gospel is worth it. And so yeah. situations like that, no calls for it. Yeah. And that's, you know, you didn't, you weren't doing anything to try to make her cry. Like you said, you felt bad. You apologize, but that is, that is what the gospel does. It, it offends. And I just thought that that was such a good story and showing like, we, we don't need to add to this. Like we, it, it's, it's going to be offensive. It's going to hurt feelings. And, you know, you might even feel kind of bad that it hurts feelings that, that you don't want to say it, but you feel bad. And, and yet it, it pictures why there's no need to add to that. Like that is, let the Holy Spirit convict, right? And right. yeah, um, you talked about this a little bit already, and I want to talk about it a little bit more. You you spend a whole chapter talking about social media usage yeah. in related to gospel spugness, and and even in the other chapters, it's it's referenced quite a bit. Um, why was that so important for you to include in the book? Well, that is the world in which we live, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and definitely with the metaverse now and all this sort of strange stuff, but yeah, we're, we're basically living on social media. And so it's becoming such an integral part to our everyday lives that it's not as if what we type or say in social media is exempt from the command in the gospels that we're going to give an account for every word we say, Mm. Uh, what we type and tweet and post on Facebook and Instagram that applies. And so if we're slanderous on Twitter, or if we, you know, if it just the general spirit of divisiveness 
if we're always looking for a fight, if you go to our mentions and our replies on Twitter and every single tweet is something that we're in a fight mm-hmm. with an unbelieving troll or yeah. another Christian and we're fighting over just the silliest things, or I shouldn't say silly, things are important, but you know, this is a different issue, but it does so many things to our witness Mm-hmm. Uh, that does a disservice to, the, to, to Christ, uh, you know, let alone the fact that millions of people can see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, we, we, it, it's one of those things where if you're, if you can't say it in person, um, then you shouldn't say it behind a computer screen or your iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, social media at first, it wasn't actually going to be a chapter. I had about a paragraph or two in a different chapter and I said, I can expound a lot more on this. Hmm. So yeah, the social media chapter, um, I, I, I think it was very important for it to be in there because it's a huge aspect of our lives. And a lot of what we're dealing with, like specifically in the SBC, a lot of what SBC people are dealing with, you see a whole lot of stuff on Twitter that's just off. Yeah. So it's discouraging. Yeah. Well, and you talk about having a plan. Mm-hmm. Um which I appreciated and not that I've never thought about that before, but I haven't really critically thought about that before. Um, and, and so maybe you want to tell us a little bit about what your personal plan is or how you would recommend a Christian go about thinking through a, a social media usage plan. So it's, I put that plan in there and, um, I very much imperfectly use a plan of social media. Um, there have been many times where I've told myself, delete the apps, mm. only use social media on your laptop. Not only does that cut down a drastic amount of time that you're on social media, uh, but when you're on it, you're, you're, you're far less likely to, to mindlessly scroll and to get into stuff you shouldn't get into or to get into Twitter debates over whatever it is. So it's, it's honestly, whatever your plan is and how imperfectly you execute it, those aren't necessarily issues. The issues is being intentional about your social media use. Mm. So don't let it, you know, I think I say this in the, the book, control your social media. Don't let it control you. Okay. And I think we can all struggle with that. Definitely if we have it on our iPhones or whatever, and, you know, it's just so easy to pull out and get onto. And I, I you know, I get that little notification every Sunday about how much I've, how much time I've spent on my phone mm. and number is always an ungodly amount, literally. Yeah. And so it's just one of the things where if we're intentional about social media, that's going to implicate how we are in our witness on social media. It's just true. So simple things like that can definitely help. That's, that's a really good point. Intentional use. That's mm-hmm. uh it's, I'll, I'll say, she'd probably be embarrassed I'm saying this. It's something I might admire about my wife who <laughs> has, has recognized certain struggles with social media use. And, and now she's chosen, she says she only uses Facebook the first of every month. That's the only day she allows herself to go on it. She's got better self-control than I do. Oh, yeah. Um, you you finished the book or, or close to finish the book by spending two chapters talking about truth and love and this balance in the Christian life of of truth and love. How do you recommend the Christian go about this Mm -hmm. thing? Because sometimes, you know, we need to tell you, you talk about uh, 
confronting a friend about sin. You, yeah. you talk about things like that. And there are things where, you know, it's it's a hard balance. And I, I say balance as if these two things are opposite ends of a spectrum, and they're really not. Um, yeah. Because a lot of times talking to a friend that's in sin is, is both telling them the truth and being loving. Right. Um, but could you talk a little bit just about that whole issue of, of truth and love in the Christian life. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the whole thing is the first thing that came to my mind was there are a lot of Christians that will be straight up jerk to you and whatever the type of conversation it is, they're just a jerk. Mm. And they say, but I'm saying these things in love. That doesn't, <laughs> it, it's just a cop. It doesn't mean anything. You can't say you, you, even if what you're saying is true. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't want to be the tone police but your tone still does matter. And if you're saying it in such a condescending way, uh, no, you're not, you're not loving me mm. in yourself at the moment. You're just getting, you're, you're, you're getting in the way of the gospel. And so I wanted the book to come full circle by showing we need both components mm. to be balanced Christians. Uh, if we have truth without love, uh, you can reference First Corinthians thirteen, where like a clanging gong, yeah, obnoxious. And then the opposite, love with that truth is even worse. Um, I would, you know, I would certainly venture to say ninety nine percent of the time, if you have love with that truth, first of all, that's not really love. Mm. Secondly, you're probably not a Christian because mm. if you don't have the truth. Right. You don't have yeah. the true gospel. And I talk about liberal Protestantism, talk about abortion, false teachers, all, you know, mm. the point is we need to have both truth and love yeah. if we want to, to uh, faithfully live out the gospel in our evangelism. Uh, we need to have the truth. We need to know what we believe. It needs to be orthodox, you know, so on and so forth. But we also need to love. Mm. Uh, we need to look to the love of Christ we need to look to how he loved those in the Gospels, what that means practically for us. Uh, that doesn't mean compromise, but uh, knowing the truth doesn't mean shoving it down everybody's throats. And so th there's definitely nuance in areas, but generally speaking, uh, we need to be Christians who, both, who, who possess both truth and love in order to, to really genuinely preach the Gospel to the lost. Amen. Well... We could keep talking forever, but that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't leave anything else for people to go read. And we want to encourage people to go read your book. So uh, check out Blake Long's book, Gospel Smugness. You can get it on Amazon. Is that right? Is that the best place? You can give it, get it on Amazon uh, if, if you're a fan of two-day shipping for Prime. You can technically get it on Barnes and Nobles. And okay. there's another third-party retailer. It's like Books a Million or something like that. Okay. Um, you can technically go through my blog site, Theology and Life, to, to get it. I have it up there. And then if you want to, to feel special, uh, because I am uh, a celebrity here, but <laughs> if you want, you can... I can send you one. Okay. Uh, I can order an author copy. And if they want me to, I can sign it. Okay. And then I can mail it to them. Okay. It just will take a lot longer, but that's also an avenue. Okay. Well, yeah. Check out Blake's book, Gospel Spongness. Check out his blog, Theology and Life. That's uh, theology-and-life.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, and uh, Blake, thank you 
very much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. I appreciate the book. I appreciate your heart for the gospel and all these things. I'm, I'm thankful for it. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate it. It was a, it was a blast to, to be on. Thanks, Blake. Thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.